grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, one phrase that I have yet to hear during this pandemic is, you know, I have to look out for number one. Now, you might think that's a good thing, but actually I would like to suggest maybe we ought to start thinking in those terms more. I need to look out for number one. Now, I know you might be a little surprised by that, but give me a chance. I'm going to explain in just a minute. First of all, to though to uh, to mention, this is not going to be obviously your your typical sermon. We're not going to drop in some PowerPoint slides. Don't have a, a sermon outline, and this sermon is not uh, all that well developed. I want it to be more of a of a conversation as we talk together about about what we are experiencing together. I'm going to organize my thoughts around four words, all of which begin with P. Sorry, I I can't help myself. That's the way my brain works. So we're going to talk about such things as priorities and, and perspective, patience, and perseverance. You know, when it comes to, uh, to priorities, that's interesting what happens during a crisis, isn't it? Just a couple of weeks ago, I wrote an article for the SLN uh, that's going to be mailed to the homes here before too long. Talked about my uh, retirement that I think is still going to happen at the end of of this year. And I I talked about some priorities that I was setting for myself uh, during this last year. Uh, Priorities uh, such as our 175th anniversary, the uh, best practices conference that we're working on to host here um, in September, uh, PLI, Pastoral Leadership Institute conference that we're going to be hosting in November. And guess what? All of those priorities are now changed. And that's okay. They, they were decent priorities then, but, but some things have risen to the surface as being much more important. I think those things will all still happen, but there's other things that, that need to take priority right now. And that's really what I was talking about before when I said that, that we need to, uh, to look out for number one because that has to do with priorities. And the question there is, so who's number one? Jesus answers that for us in uh, Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 22. One of the members of the Sanhedrin asked Jesus a question to test him. The question was, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And then he says, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's our priorities for us. Although before we talk about that a little bit more, let's remind ourselves of of God's number one priority. And when he's going to look out for number one, what does that mean? But we know, don't we, that God's number one priority is us. And of course, for God, he can have a number one priority uh, for billions of people and be able to manage that uh, perfectly. And we are so grateful that we are his number one priority. With this pandemic happening uh, here and during the month of March, our uh, businesses, in some ways, I've heard many people say, well, if it had to happen, this is a good time of year for it to happen. Things are slow in, in town and that kind of thing. And that's absolutely correct, I'm sure. From a spiritual perspective, if it had to happen at all, I'm also glad it happened this time of year because we are in the Lenten season. And Lent is a time when, when we are especially re- reminded of the fact that we are number one 
on God's heart and God's mind as, as we focus on Jesus and what he teaches, but especially what he has done for us. That we were God's number one priority then, we also remain God's number one priority now. I think that's so important for us to remember and so helpful for us to remember. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't uh, um, done anything except for promise to be with us. We are still his number one priority. He will continue uh, to care for us. So when we turn that around and we look at what uh, Jesus had to say, we would say, well, of course, God is our number one priority. And we also know that our neighbor, as Jesus says, is, is the second priority for us. But notice he says the second is, is like it. And I think what he means by that is it's a very close second. And that the, the way we show love for God is by loving our neighbor, showing love and concern uh, for, our, for our neighbor. You know, um, we are in week four. We will be in week four of the, the Red Letter Challenge. Uh, week three had to do with serving. Week four had to do with giving. And actually, giving is all about priorities as well how we set those priorities, which when it comes to our spending now, I think those priorities are being uh, re-examined once again. What, what is absolutely essential and, and what maybe are we not going to spend on for a little while? And always when it comes to the, this idea of, of spending our money or giving our money, priorities are what counts and priorities are what show with how we spend our money. And that's, um, that's quite a bit of what the devotions about giving really are, are all about in the Red Letter Challenge. So I certainly encourage you to uh, continue your reading in that book, even though the sermon today isn't, isn't focused on that at all. So that's priorities. The second P is perspective. You maybe have seen, I certainly have, a lot of people trying to put what's going on now into historical perspective. For a while, um, everybody was reposting what Martin Luther said about a, a terrible plague that was sweeping through Europe and Germany, I guess, at, at that time when Martin Luther was alive. In fact, I heard, I can't, I tried to verify this, I wasn't able to, that that, that great hymn, A Mighty Fortress, uh, was written actually during this terrible time in, in, uh, in Germany and in Europe, and that uh, maybe that was partly what was on Luther's uh, mind. I'm sorry, I can't verify that, but uh, uh, it's, that does sound familiar uh, to me as well. As we look at the historical perspective, then that, uh, that can inspire us as we see how people dealt with far worse circumstances than we are having now and, and the courage and, and the compassion that they showed. I'd also like to look at um, the eternal perspective, not just historical, but, but the eternal perspective, because that is comforting. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, I consider, this is Paul, I consider that the sufferings of, of this present time, isn't it something how scriptures, I'm interrupting myself, but isn't it something how scriptures um, can, can just jump out at us as, as how much they apply to circumstances? And the circumstances can be very, very varied, very different. Think of this in our current circumstances. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. That's the eternal perspective. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're hoping for and looking forward to. 
And that's going to bring us to the, the next P, which is patience. Patience, um, for me, I bet it is for you, is, is something that I want. It's not something that I really want to be taught because the best way to learn patience is, um, is by having to endure something, and, and then that teaches us patience, which I, I think that's a, a perspective, though, for us to uh, maintain on this, is, is what can God teach us right now in, in the midst of this? I want to differentiate um, that question, what can God teach us, from a question like, well, what's God trying, trying to teach us? as if he sent this thing our way because we have a lesson to learn. We don't know why this is happening. We do know that God has promised he can use any circumstance in our life to teach us something. Remember the gospel reading for today, the man born blind, and the disciples asked Jesus, well, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus' answer really was, that's the wrong question. But he kind of answered it when he said, well, no, it wasn't sin at all, but rather it was, um, sorry, I'm looking for it. The answer was, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, Jesus says, I'm using this, this awful thing that was true in this man's life to display God's power. God can use what's going on in, in our world to display his power. He can also use it to, um, to teach us something like uh, patience. I think maybe he can also teach us something about learning to deal with disappointment. I know when my kids were younger, kind of one of, uh, one of my main goals, it seems like, and, and my wife's as well, was, was to try to shelter them from disappointment. We, we didn't like to see our kids sad. We, we didn't want them to be disappointed about anything. And so we would work pretty hard quite often to make sure that didn't happen. And I, and I know parents today, um, certainly that's a desire that you have as well. And You know, looking back on that, um, maybe we tried too hard in that regard to shield them from disappointment. Maybe one of the things that, that God can teach us in, in this time is that, that disappointment is a part of life. And sometimes it is, a, I guess, a way of life. And, and maybe rather than, than trying to avoid uh, disappointment, it would be better for us to address it, to, to ask what that means for us now and, and what we can do uh, going forward. How, how we can address disappointment with patience and, and with hope. See, hope always looks ahead. Disappointment uh, kind of looks ahead, but at what is lost, what has been lost. Hope looks ahead to what God has in store for us, to what we know is coming, not just what we'd like to see coming or to happen. When we're able to have that perspective and that kind of patience, God helps us to deal with those disappointments in our lives. And we're experiencing a lot of them right now as so many things are, are being canceled, so many things are, are being changed, and, and our, our way of life has just been totally affected. So that brings us to our last P, which is persistence. Um, two points there. Number one, persistence in serving. Remember what uh, the epistle lesson said. I've talked about this a couple times in my uh, my weekday broadcasts as well. In, in Galatians chapter six, where Saint Paul encourages us to bear one another's burdens. There's a phrase a little bit later in in Romans six. It's in uh, verse nine, I think, and maybe eight, where 
Now, sometimes we kind of skip over this, but I, want to, I want, don't want that to happen right now. I want to, to, um, to focus on that just briefly. Where St. Paul says, let us not grow weary of doing good. We've heard that plenty of times, but how about this next phrase? For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. That's not why we do it, but it's what happens when we serve so often, is that God brings something to us from that service. I'm reminded of Pastor Kaiser's sermon on serving uh, from last week, and I don't think he talked about persistence in serving, but I want to today, that let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us help to bear one another's burdens with the promise that in due season, we will reap. God doesn't say what we're going to reap, but, but we will reap. And in Pastor Kaiser's sermon last week, he mentioned uh, a couple of, of instances where that really happened. He didn't focus on that. It's talking in another direction, but, but I would like to, uh, to go back to that. So the first one was the uh, widow of Zarephath with the, the prophet Elijah, and the widow served the prophet by baking for him that, that little uh, loaf of bread, that little cake, even though she thought that was going to be it. The flour was gone, the, the oil was gone. You notice what she reaped when she sowed this, this good seed of, of serving because the, the flour jar didn't run out and the jug of oil kept uh, filling up. As she served, God took care of her. The other instance, this is one of, has become one of my favorite episodes in history, the, the plague of Cyprian. You're going to have to Google that. You can find out a lot of information on it. Know that Cyprian, the, the name of this man, starts with a C, so it's a soft C. It's the plague of Cyprian. And Pastor Kaiser did a wonderful job of, of talking how Christians were serving uh, other Christians, but also um, those who weren't Christian at that time. And, and many of those Christians um, died as a res direct result of, of their sacrificial service to those who were suffering from this plague, whatever it was. But God also um, did something pretty marvelous. The statistics show, as far as we can tell from uh, history back then, the statistics show that in those communities where um, Christians did not live, 30% of the population died from this plague, 30%. But in cities or areas where, where Christians were very numerous, only 10% of the population died. Now, they, they figured out some reasons for that. It was the care that they were providing, and when somebody would um, recover from that illness and then provide care to, to others, that person who had recovered was no longer susceptible to the plague. So there were some practical reasons, including prayer um, and, and God's miraculous work. But see how he reaped a benefit for those who served. So persistence in serving, and then finally, persistence in prayer. We read the Old Testament lesson, the, uh, the Syrian pagan uh, general, uh, Naaman, and he was, he was cured of the terrible leprosy. I, I chose that lesson 
partly because of that leprosy. And, and there's really no connection between COVID-19 and leprosy, but, but sometimes maybe um, I felt a little bit like, you know, lepers who say unclean, unclean, and, and stay away. And, and so people are self-isolating. And, and sometimes people are a little bit nervous to be around other people. And, and some of that is uh, at the direction of our government and our health officials. But so partly that idea of leprosy, but, but mostly the fact that God healed this pagan general. And he answered the plea of this general in a way, a different way than, uh, than uh, Naaman had thought was going to happen. In fact, he kind of said, I'm not going to do that. But God used the, the Jordan River water and uh, the words of Elijah and whatever kind of spark of faith there might have been in, in Naaman to heal him. And so we are persistent in prayer because the same God who answered that plea of this pagan general certainly is listening to our pleas, to our prayers. And we never give up. We are persistent in prayer. One last thought on that, a prayer thought for us. Uh, this past uh, week or 10 days, we've once again um, just been slapped in the face with how quickly things change. From one minute to another, how quickly things change change. Reminds me of the prayer of the church throughout the ages, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That is also our prayer. Maybe it's a little more fervent, a little more heartfelt. Maybe, uh, maybe it applies just a little bit more to our circumstances. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, may that guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.